this story is really all to say that it wasn't until I got older that I realized that the rest of the world didn't live like that, right? That making 20K a year was considered low income, that we were low income growing up. And this is what, 20K is what my mom was making, probably less to be honest for years. So I think my relationship today with money comes from seeing my mom work so hard every single day to save up, have enough to pay the rent, and bills and all on her own, right? But somehow still making the time to have fun experiences or back then, you know, buy what were luxuries, right? Welcome to Say Hola Well, a bilingual bi-weekly podcast where we talk all things finance and wealth building for Latinas. I am your host, Lucy King, Latina money, business coach, speaker, and first-gen investor on a mission to teach Latinas how to stop overworking and learn their money story and start building wealth. Well, podcast episode number 12, how to monetize your voice with Yvonne Armenta. Yvonne Armenta is a public speaking creative and coach and the creator of Chats with Yvonne, a platform that aims to help people love public speaking through a community-oriented and culturally relevant approach. Hello, Yvonne. Welcome to Say Hola Well podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, good. I'm doing well. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I I'm just beyond excited to have you here because of your expertise, but also because I love your personality. I love the way you talk about public speaking and I'm in love with the way you're doing things. So I, I know that you have a lot to share that will benefit the Bici Mujeres. And so let's go ahead and start by telling us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so I am a public speaking creative. And what that means, the reason I say creative is because I think, I like to think that I think about public speaking in a very different way than what the industry does in its, in its normal sense. And that is, I am an introverted person at heart, but I have extroverted tendencies. And what that means is, I like to be by myself, but I also am energized by people. And I think sometimes in the public speaking industry, we think an introvert can't possibly be a good public speaker because they're not a people person or they don't like being in front of crowds. They prefer to be by themselves. So I like to think that through the work that I'm doing in chats with Yvonne, we're sort of breaking that narrative and be like, hey, everybody can and already is a great public speaker. Actually, we engage in it more often than, than we think. And Aside from that, I that because chats with Yvonne is like my my passion is my baby. Uh, I also am in the communications field, so I've been doing internal communications for a while, and that's what I dedicate myself to on, on a daily basis. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that. Every guest that comes to the podcast, I have to ask them about their money story and how they grow up because this is a podcast where we talk about all things finance and well-building for Latinas. And I believe talking about money and the money story is so important. So tell us a little bit about how did you grow up around money? <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny because when I think about this, I'm like, it's complicated, right? <laughs> but um, so my mom was a single mom growing up. And for a very long time, it was just my mom, my brother, and I. And I'm the firstborn, I'm the oldest daughter. So for a lot of my firstborn daughters, we know what that means, right? It can, it was getting my brother ready for school. It was sometimes making us cereal for dinner. 
because I didn't know what else to make. (laughs) And I still kind of don't, but I do remember my mom working a lot. And I mean, she had to maintain a household, right? It was, she had two kids and she had to pay rent. She had to pay the bills on her all on her own. And growing up, we were a part of a lot of government aid programs. So WIC, we got food stamps. Um, and by the way, I think that the reason uh, I like Life Cereal, I don't know if you know what Life Cereal is, but my favorite cereal is Life Cereal. And everyone that I tell that to is always like, ew, Yvonne, that cereal is so bland. And I'm like, yeah, that's what the heck I got growing up. So I got used to it. Um, so anyways, I love it. Side story. And one story that I always remember pertaining to sort of my relationship with, with money, and it's it's a core memory, and I'm not even sure why or how, but I always remember there was this one Christmas my mom had done well, or for whatever reason, she just kind of felt like splurging on, on my brother and I, and she had told us about the gifts, but that she wanted to keep them a surprise, so she left them in the trunk. And my brother and I were super excited because we remember she opened the trunk and we saw a Nike bag and we were like, Ooh, their shoes, like the shoes we've been wanting. And I think at this time, my brother was probably a freshman. I was, I think maybe a junior in high school or something like that. And at least for me, you know, when you're in high school, you're like, Ooh, I want the coolest shoes or, Oh, this is like the clothes to wear. Right. So it was just an exciting thing for my brother, brother and I, and the next morning we woke up and found that the trunk was open and all of the gifts that my mom had gotten were gone. And again, in that moment, it was shock. It was sadness. And it was also one of those things where it was like, well, my mom spent the money that she had budgeted for this. That was allotted for this. She doesn't have extra, right? Like she splurged on this because she wanted to surprise us because she wanted to give us a Christmas that was like, Ooh, I'm going to wrap the gifts and you can open them. Right. So we ended up doing what we did every year, which was we went to the local community Christmas events where you had the raffles and games and whatnot. You won all of these, all these different gifts. I remember one year I got a Rubik's cube and I was like, Ooh, so excited about it. Right. So (laughs) growing, that was what we did growing up. And the reason I'm saying this, I'm talking about this story is really all to say that it wasn't until I got older that I realized that the rest of the world didn't live like that right? That making 20K a year was considered low income, that we were low income growing up. And this is what, 20K is what my mom was making, probably less to be honest for years. So I think my relationship today with money comes from seeing my mom work so hard every single day to save up, have enough to pay the rent and bills and all on her own, right? But somehow still making the time to have fun experiences or back then, you know, buy what were luxuries. Right. So I think I've always just been of the belief that I'm working for it. There's no need to worry about it because the money will come. And I would consider myself a saver and a spender. So I buy myself things when I want, because my mom always said, Si puedes, no te quedes con las ganas. So I'd say I have conflicting viewpoints with my relationship with money. And it's kind of complicated because I truly do believe in let me save this. Let me not spend on things that I don't need. And at the same time, my mom growing up too was very much like, si lo tengo, por me, me quiero dar el gusto. I should be able to, right? Like I work right. hard for it. I should be able to. So there's always been these conflicting things. And I think when I grew up and realized, yeah, we were low income growing up. That's actually what shifted my mentality around money and being like, I should probably just save all of my money and like hoard it and maybe once in a while splurge. So I think that's sort of where I'm at with my relationship with money. 
Thank you for sharing that. What a powerful story. And yes, I do know what the life cereal is because I grew up eating that as well. <laughs> and I want to thank you for being 100% honest about growing up low income and even sharing with the Busy Mujeres that you were part of the WEEK program, which I believe has a lot of bad connotation in our community. But I always tell my clients, like if there is any type of assistance that you can go and ask for, do it. Like we have to unlearn that belief that asking for help is a horrible thing because those programs are, are placed um, there for us to utilize them. And the other thing that I want to say when you're spending money and saving money, that is a good thing. It's a happy balance and you should be spending money on yourself. I always tell my, my mujeres, just pay yourself first, put some money away into your investment accounts, your savings, whatever it is. And then, yeah, live that wealthy life because our parents sacrificed so much for us to be where we are. We don't need to continue to sacrifice and we need to have fun too, because spending money is actually fun. So thank you so much for sharing <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I, I think that part of the reason why growing up, it was kind of awkward to say, oh yeah, we're on WIC or whatever, but that's honestly how we got our food. Like if we didn't have that, we probably wouldn't have enough money for other stuff. Right. But one thing that I also want to point out in relation to my relationship with the money is that my mom has always been a, a hustler, right? I get in the most plain terms asking for that help. Like she knew to take advantage of those resources. And so I think that's also something that I've learned. Mostly it's like, you're asking me this question and I keep thinking about my mom. So I think my relationship to money is very much tied to the way that I saw my mom work for her money. Yeah, absolutely. What are some limiting beliefs that you had to overcome um, to unlearn the way you feeling about money? So this is sort of tied to what I talked about and reflecting, looking back on my experiences growing up and reflecting on it and realizing, oh, I guess we were low income. I guess we did have the short end of the stick. Right. And one of the biggest things that I had to get over was the idea that I was given opportunities because pobrecita, right. I had to work my way out of feeling like I didn't belong or that I was given opportunities because somehow people felt bad for me. And I don't know if that makes sense. Um, when I realized that not everyone lived or experienced life the way my family and a lot of my friends' families did, bringing people into my world felt a little off. And I struggled a lot with giving myself the credit. And it's been a process of learning and unlearning. But one thing that I think helped me and that I didn't do for years was actually watch my own videos. So for years, I didn't tell anyone about me being a public speaker that I had done a keynote in front of thousands of people. I didn't tell anybody about it, only my immediate friends. And even then I didn't even tell them what it was about because I didn't want them to go look it up and watch the videos. I just was not there yet. Right. I didn't want people to, to see that, that side of me because I wasn't as confident in, was it actually good? Did I even deserve this opportunity? And then years later, I'm talking like three, maybe four years later, I actually started watching recordings, right? This is around the time when I started chats with Yvonne. And I was like, this is something that I want to share with people that I think is cool. And I started taking note of what I was saying. And I would watch and be like, damn, Yvonne, like that was me. Like I said that. And I think that built my confidence as a public speaker. And I had to really unlearn the idea that I was on a stage 
because someone felt bad for me or because they wanted to give me this opportunity for pobrecita or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a, a turning point for me in being like, it was a turning point for me in being like, I deserve this. And this is something that I am given the opportunity because it is, sorry, I don't know if you can hear that. Yes, I can hear. <laughs> okay, it's removed, sorry. Um, so one of the things that I, began to learn is that I am on these stages because I deserve to be there and not because anybody felt bad for me. And that was a pivotal moment in my career as a public speaker, because then now I didn't have to doubt myself when I was going on, on stage. I knew that I belonged there and there always is doubt, right? You're always going to feel a little bit of that, but peeling away at that slowly became my way of gaining confidence in myself as a public speaker, taking the stage. I'm getting goosebumps all over my body as you're reflecting on that. And even using the, the word that you just said, like pobrecita, right? Because that's that's also a belief that I personally had to unlearn because I was given opportunities to advance. I was invited to places where I, I had the same beliefs that you had. And I also had to really like on my voice and say, no, I am here because of my academics back in the day, uh, because I was also a a runner, I was in cross country. And so I was giving those opportunities because of my ability as an athlete, even though I started running kind of later (laughs) than most people, I have to tell myself like, it's not that they feel bad for me. It's not that they feel bad for me. It's not the pobrecita mentality, mentality that I'm here like, this is not it. It's because I, I am worthy of being here. I earned that. So I know this message is going to resonate with so many mujeres. And look at you now. I mean, I see you. You are, you're one of the mujeres that I admire in the public speaking space. And I also want to share with our audience that you were one of my coaches at the beginning of uh, launching Viva La Budget and Finance. I came to you whenever I was ready to share my story, because I, I was coming out of uh, being in a very dark moment in my life where I didn't feel like my voice mattered. And it was the fact that I work with you that gave me the confidence to really show up online and even feel that my voice and my message was worth sharing. So I want you to give us more details because there's mujeres out there that want to monetize their voice. And you as a public speaker, you're doing that. I'm doing that now as well through um, the podcast, through public speaking, even the master classes that I put online that I'm like, wow, <laughs> there's so much that goes with that. So let's go, let's start with the basics. What is public speaking? Yeah. And first of all, I'd like to say that you were actually one of the, maybe my second or third person that I directly worked with. And so it goes both ways, right? Like, I think when you, when you reached out about it, I was like, oh, this is something that I can actually help people with. So it goes both ways as far as building the confidence for it. I think going back to the pobrecita mentality, sometimes you think it, it is, is my work actually worth it? Do people actually want this? Should I even be charging for it? Um, it almost feels like a luxury to charge for the stuff that you're giving people, right? So I want to thank you for that too. But 
Yeah, when we talk about public speaking, it is the art of engaging in speaking, right? Engaging with people through the spoken word. That is things like you just mentioned. It, maybe the workshops you host, maybe going live on Instagram, but it is also the daily conversations that we have. I have a podcast coming up where I talk about a story that my grandma would tell me over and over and over again growing up. And every single time there was a little bit of a difference, a little bit more of embellishment throughout, but that in itself is spoken word. And those forms of speaking aren't necessarily taught in textbooks. They're not pointed to when we're talking about public speaking, but at its simplest terms, public speaking is just talking, talking to people and connecting with them. I love how you're bringing the abuelita on this conversation because sometimes we don't realize the power of um, our family's voice, the messages that they're sharing with us. And up to maybe recently, I learned that even when you're reading a cuento or like a little uh, story to your kids that's also another form of public speaking and we have to use that more because we need our voices heard our community needs to hear our voices um, what are some of the elements that we should consider when thinking about public um, speaking yeah so it really depends what angle we're taking but if i were to give someone some elements to focus on during their preparation for example I would say things like you really have to focus on your words and that is what you're actually saying. What are you actually communicating to people and what are they hearing, right? And then your voice, it's all about how you're saying it. Sometimes how you say something is even more impactful than what you're actually saying, right? Think about how many times someone said something to you, maybe in an argument, and it was just the tone of their voice. It's not actually what they said, but the way that they said it, that just, you just went overboard. You're like, okay, that's it, right? So I would say, pay attention to your words, to your voice and how you're sounding, but also our body language. Our body language is actually a form of communication that expresses a lot about our message and what we're actually saying. It can communicate to people whether you're actually confident, whether you yourself believe what you're saying. Sometimes body language can be the, the thing people see right at the beginning, right? It can build up your credibility when you're going up on stage and someone sees you walk in straight and just really confidently, that can help them gain trust in what it is that you're about to say. And now, if I was approaching it from, you know, the area of how to be an effective public speaker, I really do think that it comes down to focusing on your confidence, that passion that you have, your story on being yourself and connecting with your audience in a genuine way, apart from the more tactical things, confidence and passion. These are things that people can feel when you're actually up on stage. And of course, my favorite, which is always preparing, practicing, and then the actual presentation piece. So if you were to think about your public speaking engagement or your speech, you can break it down in these three chunks, which is how am I going to prepare? What do I, as Yvonne or as Lucy, like, what do I need to prepare, right? Do I need to prepare and practice more on my body language? Is it more what I actually say? So preparing, then you practice what you prepared, and then you're ready to go and present. Love it. I want to share, but also, can I just add a little bit more to what you're saying? The more you talk, the better you become. And you're, you're never going to feel 100% ready. I mean, I'm, I'm learning this from you. I'm learning this uh, about myself. 
but also the more you share your story, the more comfortable you get. I remember when I came to you, I couldn't even let the words out of my mouth because I, I was so emotional because I was passionate about, you know, what I wanted to share. And I'm passionate about the work that I'm doing with Latinas. And for me, I feel like I needed to have this idea of how I want to present myself. Like I wanted to be what I see on TV, a public speaker that it's very rigid, very clear. And I've learned that I don't have to be that. I have to be myself. But the more I practice, the more confident I feel. And I don't cry as much. I have to admit it <laughs> because that was my biggest thing. Like, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people will reach out to me and ask, how do I stop crying on stage? Especially when it's, you're sharing a story, a very personal story. It's hard, right? And there's some instances where actually that emotional piece can connect your, can connect your audience to you a lot more, but then sometimes like, well, I have to get my message across. Right. So you're right. It's doing it over and over and over again, not to the point where you feel numb to what your story is. Cause you're always feel connected to it. And there's power in being emotional about your story, but to the point where you can communicate it in an effective manner and people can still connect to it emotionally while also you're not like bawling your eyes out on stage or something. <laughs> and I learned that it's okay for you to pause and take a, you know, breathe and just be in the moment. Um, and I, I, I mean, I've, since I work with you, I've learned so much and I continue to learn and I do love public speaking, but also for me growing up, I was constantly told that I was too loud, that I needed to, um, tone it down, but I was even too much, right? And I was, in the, I was told this by actually one of my teachers and that really planted this seed in my brain of you can't be outspoken, you can't be loud. And it's part of my cultura, it's part of who I am. I am a loud person. I have this very awkward laugh that I, I love now. I didn't always love it, but I love it now. And so I'm trying <laughs> to just be as authentic as I can and with that, I want to ask you, I know culturally, we have been told that we're too much. And in your opinion, is that preventing us from really showing up authentically and letting our voice be heard? I mean, yeah, I think that generally, right, we're told, hey, maybe you're a little bit too much or sometimes on the opposite end, hey, you need to speak up a little bit more. I can't hear you. You're not enunciating, like speak up, right? So whatever that narrative is, I do think it impacts the way that we show up on stages or in meetings and off, you know, in, in the office space at work, because I Sometimes I think that the perception we have around public speaking and being a good, effective public speaker is that it's actually asking us to be further away than who we are on a daily basis, right? So if you feel like you need to show up really rigidly, you have to be bold all of the time, that doesn't leave room for the more quiet version of yourself. It doesn't leave room for the more, hey, I want to laugh at this. Hey, maybe this wasn't as funny. I don't want to do it, right? So I do think that it prevents us from showing up fully authentically. And it is not fault of our own, right? This isn't something that we are just like, hey, I, I want to do this. I want to sh keep showing up this way. It's actually impacts of the world around us, right? We can't necessarily control the environments that we're a part of or the fact that we are oftentimes the first of to be in those spaces. And that's intimidating in and of itself, right? So 
showing up authentically, again, like public speaking is a process. You're not going to do it one day and say, you know what, today I'm going to do this, right? Today I'm showing up as myself because you also have to protect yourself in many ways. You have to protect who you are and your feelings and everything about you in these spaces when you're going into the unknown. One of the examples that I often think about is when I was in high school, I used to dress crazy, right? People would always say, oh my God, Yvonne, like what the heck? But it looked good and I felt good in it, right? And over time, my style, for example, began to evolve to something more simple, something more basic. And every day I tried to kind of add a little bit more of who I want to be and how I want to show up. But it's also hard when someone's like, when you wear the red lipstick, right? To the meeting, like, oh, I love your lipstick. And it's not a negative comment. It's just, don't point it out, right? Now, <laughs> now I'm shy about wearing it, right? But I do think that the way we grew up and culturally asking us to, oh, calladita or speak up more, right? We get conflicting messages. So it's hard to show up authentically because you're like, wait, who am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be the girl que se queda callada in the room? Or am I supposed to be the person, the executive, whatever it is that shows up in this meeting and demands a raise and demands to be listened to, right? It's like at home, what's valued is just stay quiet. Don't interrupt the elders to do what you need to do. Right. And then at work, what's valued is the loudest person in the room, the person that stands up, that speaks up all the time. So because we get these conf conflicting messages, it can be very hard to show up authentically, especially when it comes to public speaking, it's a nerve wracking experience. And you're literally up in front of people waiting to, in some forms, be judged, right? Judgment can be good and bad. <laughs> yeah, I know I had so many conflicting messages growing up, even when I was in corporate America. I was actually told that they wanted me in leadership because I was, I had a strong voice. And I, and, and for the executive team, that was a great thing. But for the employees, I have to adjust my level, my tone of voice when I was talking to different people. Um, and that's another thing that I want to, mentioned right now sometimes when we're thinking about public speaking we're just thinking about someone that goes on stage and has a message but throughout the day we're talking we're practicing the art of public speaking and I want you to tell us if you can what are some ways that we can monetize our voice aside from going on stage or at work yeah. So a lot of these things come almost from opportunities within the community, right? So if someone reaches out to you at any point and wants to, wants you to speak at a workshop or wants you to speak at any level, right? I know you mentioned often on stage. So at any level, always ask for a budget. Hey, sure. What is, and it's uncomfortable sometimes. I know sometimes for me in the beginning, it was really uncomfortable is, oh, is there a budget for this? What's your budget for this, right? And even if you yourself in the moment don't have a speaker fee, don't know what you'll charge, just ask them for it because it allows you to see what they are expecting and how much they're expecting to be able to spend on you speaking, right? We should always be paid to, to share our, our knowledge, right? And for example, when I was in the workplace, right? One of the things that to, to consider when you are in the workplace is does my annual review process include any kind of leadership or public speaking aspect to it that would allow me to ask for a raise, right? Because more often than not, public speaking is communication, right? We all need it and you should have it within the workplace. It doesn't matter if you're an engineer, 
you're on the finance team, you're on the people team, whatever team you are in, public speaking and being able to present your ideas efficiently will benefit you. And it also enhances your leadership skills. So thinking about that, that's more of a long-term way to monetize your, your public speaking skills, right? And then things like, you know, Lucy, what you mentioned, like your podcast, you are literally, you can monetize your actual voice, maybe a YouTube channel, maybe you start your Instagram, right? These are ways that you can monetize how and when you use your voice, getting paid for that. Absolutely. And I want to thank you for mentioning the budget, because I know at the beginning of me launching the podcast or even becoming the founder that I am, that sometimes I have to remind myself, like, wait a second, you're a founder of a, of a coaching business now. I wasn't asking for the budget. And it, I feel like maybe I was underpaid a little bit at the beginning, but I was, I was okay with that because I was putting myself out there and I was practicing. And are you able to share with us how much should we charge in just like a range of how much does a public speaker make? It varies, right? It varies a lot. And as a person that sort of has been in the community, has benefited from the offerings of our community, as I mentioned at the beginning, sometimes when I work, let's say with nonprofits or school organizations, I tend to... Uh, I tend to work with whatever they've got because I'm like, I don't want to, like, this is a service, right, that I'm providing to people, but I don't want it to be a barrier to getting the actual knowledge. But when you're talking about, hey, let me go on stage, the first time that I ever had a keynote, and this was to, this was a 15 minute presentation for me, right? And I got paid $5,000. And that to me at the time was wild. I couldn't even fathom this, the idea of, wait, 15 minutes of my time for $5,000. Like, can I do this forever? Like, this is awesome. Right. Because again, I grew up seeing my mom work so hard for her money and every hour was like six bucks, seven bucks, whatever it was. And to, to even consider the idea that 15 minutes of my time and that actually my time didn't necessarily equate to the my value, it was actually my skill set and what I had to share that equated to my value. That's when things changed for me. That's when I realized not only do I love and enjoy being up on stage, but I can actually get paid for this. And this is some, that is actually what started my savings, right? Like I was able to be more financially stable and open my eyes really to the possibilities of being financially stable through public speaking. If I hadn't had that initial opportunity where I knew, hey, 15 minutes of my time, $5,000, I wouldn't know that, hey, I can continue to ask for this value and maybe even ask for more. So as you become a seasoned public speaker, right, uh, I have a, a resource that I share up on, on my Instagram, but you can get paid anywhere from $1,000 to $200, right? Let's say $200 up to like 35K plus. It depends on your tenure. It depends on what you're talking about, similar to a job, right? You kind of say, okay, these, these are my skill sets. This is what I talk about. And this is how much I charge for 15 minutes of, of my time. Love it. And since you disclose some numbers, <laughs> I feel like I need to do the same. So when I started um, reaching out to organizations to allow me to speak, my first ones were 100% free. And because of that, I started building what I, I guess is now like my, my speaker portfolio. And 
the next time I spoke, I was paid $75 for 20 minutes. And just recently, I was paid $325 for 15 minutes. And I now have some other speaking engagements coming up with non-for-profits that are over $1,000. And it keeps going up. And And it keeps going up. (laughs) But for me, I had to work a lot on my mindset and my money beliefs uh, because I feel like, oh my God, I'm speaking about something that I constantly talk about. Like I'm kind of repeating the same message and I did feel like I'm worthy of earning the money. So I have to work on my mindset like, hey, you have been going through a process to be where you are. So you have to charge for your worth. And now, of course, I ask for budgets even before I secure any contract. So thank you for sharing that. I want to also ask you a question that I ask all of the guests that come to the podcast. So it's actually two questions. One is, what has been one investment that you made in yourself that you're very proud of? Yeah. So I invested in trademarking chats, the chats with Yvonne podcast. And that to me is huge because I don't, I think that you, at least from the way that I initially approached it and you, like you said in your story, right, you evolve and you grow around your, your business, but I submitted for trademark and I'm really excited about that. I think that that's a huge step in being like, yeah, I own this. This is a thing that I did that cost me a lot of money. Initially, you know, I think when you're spending that much money, you think, Ooh, is this even, is this worth it? Should I do it? Should I just hold off on it? And oftentimes I, I procrastinated on it a lot actually, because I was scared of just being like, yeah, this is, this is my thing. This is what I do, but I invested in myself in that way. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm clapping right here for you. <laughs> and I also want to point out that that becomes part of your intellectual property, which you can give to your family. If you choose to have a family down the road, that becomes part of your wealth creation portfolio. Intellectual property is the hottest way of building wealth right now. Wow, cool. And so, yeah, so keep that in mind. Like that, the trademark of Chats with Yvonne is something that you can inherit it down the road to people. And of course, if someone down the road wants to buy it from you, you can also monetize on that. So congratulations on that. I believe you're the first person that shares that um, here in the podcast. So I'm so Thank happy you. for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not, a, um, it's not like official yet, but I invested in it and it's out yeah. there in the world. So Hopefully you all send me good vibes and it, and it goes through. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm here to celebrate you. That is huge. And, and yeah, dance, do something because you're just like <laughs> giving you. me the big smile right now. I'm like, that is huge. This is how our community started breaking um, the cycle of generational poverty. And we start building our, you know, wealth portfolios and, oh my God, I can't wait. Now I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to share with you when I officially have the the little plaque that says it. (laughs) Yes, please do that. So the last question that I have for you is what is your definition of wealth? Yeah. Wealth to me means being able to do what you want without guilt. If that makes sense. I think that that is what wealth is to me, being able to do what I want without guilt and feeling like 
the investments that I make in myself aren't a bad thing. Like the things that I spend on aren't a bad thing. And realizing that the work that I do and create and put out into the world is actually my, my wealth too, my way of building wealth for myself, but also for, for my family and breaking those ideas of you have to work three hours of your time and get 20 bucks in return. Right. So that's what wealth is to me. I love it. What a powerful way to describe wealth. Um, Yvonne, where can people find you and tell us about your services as well? Yeah. So I am Chats with Yvonne across all social media platforms, essentially. I have a chat, the Chats with Yvonne podcast where I talk about public speaking and just help you love it. That is really my goal with all of my platforms is helping people love public speaking and realize the opportunities that exist out there, whether it is being on stage or just in your daily routines. I work one-on-one with clients to help them in their public speaking journey. And what that looks like is, this is a little bit different, Lucy, than what we did back then, but now what it is, it's a three month long commitment. And I go over my framework, which is reflect, connect, share. And I have lessons around that. And then we have practice and implementation sessions. And you do have access to me throughout those entire three months, whenever you need it. And people have different goals, right? Some people really want to get up on stage. Other people just want to be better public speakers and communicate effectively in the workplace. So I cater a lot of, I individualize a lot of our curriculum is what I call it based on what your, your goals are, but that's where you can find me. So chats with Yvonne across all social medias. And my email is also chats with Yvonne at gmail.com. <laughs> I love it. And congrats on making your offer even stronger because what I've learned with you was definitely something that has paved the way and has helped me be where I am today. So I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to share space with you and for the for coaching me along the way because that really made a huge difference for me. So thank you so much for coming to the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. And it's been so exciting to see your growth and see you go on lives and just confidently talk about what you're talking about and helping us build a community of wealthy mujeres, I think is incredible. So thank you so much for having me on here. I'm honored. Thank you. Mujeres, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you find value on this episode, don't forget to share it with your amigas. And don't forget to subscribe whatever you listen to podcasts to be notified when the next episode releases. It would also mean the world to me if you can make time out of your busy mujer schedule to write a review for us on Apple Podcast. Are you spending time on social? So are we. Come say hola to us. You can find us on IG under at Viva La Budget and Finance. And if you are ready to take charge of your finances and your dinero, check out the show notes to get started and apply to work with us. Hasta la próxima, Bici Mujer.